What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Duncan. I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Andrew Harris signing with the Toronto Argonauts. Wiggity, what? Kenny Lawler signing a mega deal with the Edmonton Elks. The BC Lions going all Canadian at quarterback. Say it ain't so, my man. I love it. Trevor Harris re-signing in La Belle Provence. And Delvin Bro coming out of retirement to sign with the BC Lions. But first, Jeremiah Masoli has officially signed with the Ottawa Red Blacks. He traveled to Ottawa to sign his deal and has since been working closely with head coach and offensive coordinator Paul Apolise. Dunkster, what are your expectations for the former East Division MOP in his new team? Masoli could be a foundational piece here for the Red Blacks in what I think could be potentially a quick turnaround with the number of signings that new general manager Sean Burke, or let's just call him the GM now, (laughs) Burke has assembled in the nation's capital and Masoli is at the center of it. We should make note, I think it's important that the fact that he's in the nation's capital means what? that he has been vaccinated. There were so many questions out there about that, but it's safe to assume that fact. And the Red Blacks paid up to get him there. $200,000 signing bonus was really the difference in terms of Masoli going to Edmonton or signing in Ottawa, which is what happened. I do think there were some other factors as well. The professional approach that Burke brought to those negotiations compared to the Wild West approach, (laughs) let's say, that Chris Jones uses. So the contract played into it, but also that relationship with Burke and then getting to go and pair up with the guy in La Police, who's known as an offensive guru. So all around, it seems like it fits, but that won't ultimately be decided until they're on the field. 
Yeah, it's been obvious for a while that the Ottawa Red Blacks needed a massive injection of talent. They've essentially gone out and signed a brand new offensive line. Guys like Ucombre Williams, you know, Jacob Ruby, Darius Sirocco, Hunter Stewart. They're adding at the scale positions as well. They've signed Darvin Adams. They've signed Jalen Acklin, Levine Noel. William Powell is back in the backfield. But in the CFL, Bob Cameron is famous for saying that in the CFL, everything other than the quarterback is window dressing and the Ottawa Red Blacks have desperately needed to get better under center. We talked about it on the show last week. They needed to pony up the cash to get the deal done. I don't think they broke the bank. I said they should go as high as $500,000 a season to secure Masoli. They ended up getting him for 90% of that. They got him for 450. To me, it's a shrewd move. It's one they had to make. And it's one that I think is going to result in the Red Blacks being way more competitive on the field in 2022. In terms of breaking down the contract for 2022 for Mastoli, that $200,000 signing bonus is the biggest signing bonus given out since 2019 when Michael Riley signed a four-year deal with the BC Lions and Bo Levi Mitchell signed his four-year pact with the Stampeders. Riley got $400,000, if you can believe it, up front. Mitchell got $300,000. So the fact that Ottawa was willing to give that upfront money really helps seal the deal and shows you the faith that Burke and I think now Lapalise have in Masoli. Gets $432,000 in hard money with the opportunity and playtime incentives to make another $18,000 to get to that four fifty dollars number in 2022. He's on the books currently for $500,000 in 2023, but you would imagine that if he plays well, you want to reward him by getting him another chunk in terms of a signing bonus that can help him out tax-wise. But mm-hmm. we'll leave that for another day. I really think the Red Blacks paid fair market value here while also having money to surround him. And you mentioned it with pieces as playmakers and up front remaking that offensive line. And also, oh, by the way, on defense, getting guys like Patrick Levels who will change the swagger of that defense. There's a bunch of other ones as well, but I think levels can really be an impact maker just because of the charisma that he'll bring to that team. Yeah. You got money Hunter. You got Kwaku Boateng. You got all kinds of, of playmakers on that defensive side of the football. Yes. They lost Devonte Deadman, who I think was, was their best player. Uh, uh, I, I don't even think you could argue anything otherwise in 2021. Uh, but that being said, certainly, if you're a member of our nation, you're feeling a whole heck of a lot better about your team on Wednesday than you did even a few days ago. This team needed an overhaul across the roster. They've gotten it, and Dunkster, I think there are more signings yet to be announced. Ottawa, I think, is going to end up signing something like 40% of the available free agents, and credit to them. It had to be done. It's bold, it's brash, but it's also merited. It's warranted. Get it done in Ottawa, and this team's going to be a whole heck of a lot better on the field in 2022. And it has to be a refreshing change, and this is not really a slight, but it's just based on the decision-making process that Marcel Desjardins used to employ, right? Trevor Harris did not continue with the Red Blacks because of signing bonus money, upfront money, right? So now you have a different mindset, and Burke willing to give out that money to a high-caliber quarterback in Masoli and get him there and use free agency to remake this team. Make no mistake, you're not going to win a Grey Cup at free agency time, but the roster had to be remade, as you alluded to. And if you look what the Hamilton Tiger Cats have done over the years, and Burke, for a number of years there, was really the de facto GM, 
They scouted very well, both American and Canadian, and they have the pieces in the front office in place to put something similar together in Ottawa, where, yeah, they can remake it in free agency, but you'll see it from the way they attack the draft and how they get after it in terms of the negotiation list and the way that they scout Americans, that this, to me, is the start of a total new energy around the Red Lux. Now, they got to go out and prove it, but it seems like that fan base is re-energized based on what Burke has done. Andrew Harris has signed with the Toronto Argonauts after he, representing himself and Blue Bombers GM Kyle Walters, failed to agree on a contract extension. How surprised were you that Harris left town, and what does it mean for the Blue Bombers? If you'd asked me this last week, I, I, I think I would have been a little bit more surprised. By the end of it, Kyle Walters spoke to the media on Tuesday morning. It was pretty obvious that this deal was not going to get done. It was certainly contentious. Kyle Walters called it the toughest negotiation of his tenure as the general manager in Winnipeg. He's been on the job, Dunkster, for eight and a half years since he got that interim label in August of 2013. So this was a messy divorce. I know a lot of Bomber fans are upset. I don't think they're as upset as they would have been if Andrew Harris had signed, let's say, in Saskatchewan and worn the green and white. I think playing in Toronto takes a little bit of that sting off. But that being said, I mean, TSN reported Andrew Harris's contract today. He got $165,000 in hard money. GM Michael Pinball Clemens called him the best running back in the CFL. And if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, it's obvious you're just not going to be able to compete with that type of offer if you also want to keep Winnipeg native Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine, who the club has developed out of your alma mater dunkster of Guelph University. So if you want the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as that organization, if you want to keep the future intact, you have to be willing to cut the cord at some point. And if Harris has a mega deal on the table like that, I don't think anybody can shame him for wanting to pursue that opportunity in Toronto. I don't know if it was a mega deal. And let's get one other fact straight, Hodge. It's the University of Guelph. All right. Not Guelph University, just for the future, for all the people fair out enough, there. Fair the enough. U of G developed Augustine, who <laughs> not just the Bombers feel, but other people around the league believe from watching the film that he has the ability to become the next great Canadian running back in this league. That's not to say he's going to put together a career like Andrew Harris, but I think a lot of times fans, rightly or wrongly, get tied up in the names. And the difference with Harris is that he's from Winnipeg and has led them to back-to-back great cups. He was really the catalyst, especially in 2019, of course, along with the pieces on defense, Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, and what Zach Laros did after coming over from that trade. But he was the MVC and the MVP of that game in Calgary. Absolutely dominant. Does he have juice left? I believe he does. A motivated Andrew Harris has always been the best Andrew Harris, but the Bombers have a salary cap to adhere to, and they feel like keeping the best offensive line in the league intact will be the key for them in going with the duo that you mentioned, Augustine and Oliviera. And they wanted to keep Augustine because there were other teams out there coveting him. So when you get that sense, you want to keep that player in-house if you can. Augustine's deal checks in at in and around $100,000. It could go up a little bit depending on some incentives. And the Bombers simply were not willing to devote $165,000 or even $150,000 
to having Harris on the roster because he only played seven games in 2021. And there was some concerns behind the scenes that Harris was not necessarily approaching his craft in the same way that he had in the past. Now, I'm just the messenger and telling you like it is. And we very well could see Harris pop off in Toronto, have another great season. But in this instance, I think Hodge the Bombers would rather be one year too early than one year too late. I will add that it could be a potential positive for the league. Harris is scheduled to appear on breakfast television, which is the most viewed breakfast TV program in Ontario. And I don't know what it's like across the country, but that is appointment viewing for a lot of people in Toronto. So the fact that you can get a guy with name value on that program hopefully helps the Argos boost some ticket sales because we know they need that very dearly. (laughs) Well, the reason I call it a mega deal is because, you know, Kadeem Carey, William Stanbeck, the top American running backs in the league are in that 130 to 150 range. If you're not a Canadian star, at least in the modern CFL, you're not going to get above that. So Andrew Harris, relative to the rest of the, of the running back market, you highlighted Augustine's hundred grand. He's getting a lot more than, than Augustine in Winnipeg. But I, I want to say this. I, I think you're right about trying to be one year too early rather than one year too late. To me, Andrew Harris did not show signs of slowing down when he was able to play in 2021. To me, the question was about durability. He fought a knee injury. He fought a calf injury. He only played seven regular season games. And to me, that is the question if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. If you pay that upfront money and Andrew Harris got a substantial signing bonus, that money counts against the cap no matter what. And Harris, again, if he misses large chunks of the season, that money, depending on how long he's on six-game injured list, will count against your cap whether or not he's playing. And so I think if I was a CFL team, I would understand maybe the trepidation about having a player like that on the roster who gets a big chunk up front and then also has a relatively high salary who may hurt me if he is unable to play. So Andrew Harris, is he going to be productive in Toronto? My prediction is yes. My only question would be, is he going to be able to do it for 18 games, 12 games, 10 games? I don't know, but I'm guessing he's going to not be able to do it for a full season as he did consistently for a decade because before 2021, he was arguably the most durable back in the entire CFL. That's the key to me is being able to stay on the field. He's shown when he's in the lineup, he's one of the most productive backs in CFL history, bar none American or Canadian. And that's, in my mind, really what the Bombers were looking at is even in a shortened year with just 14 regular season games, he only played seven. So what's it going to be like when we go up to the usual 18-game regular season plus playoff games? How much of that year is he going to be able to get through? And some people think, well, you know, it's only an extra, let's say in this case, $65,000 to have him instead of Johnny Augustine. But Augustine has much younger legs, and he hasn't had some of the wear and tear and the breakdown that Harris showed last year. So you have to make a calculated decision here, and it's risky in a lot of ways, and it's not necessarily the way you would want to part, and you sort of termed it as a messy divorce. Like I think any way it happened, it wasn't going to be ideal. But that said, I think the Bombers handed with handed it excuse me with relative class and Walters was in a tough spot you have an absolute legend 
who's from that hometown, who has helped you win back-to-back Grey Cups, but he and Mike O'Shea and the guys at the top of the organization there, Wade Miller, Wade Miller included, are focused on winning that next Grey Cup. You can't look at the past in pro football. And I think too many times we do that. I'm with you. I think Harris can be productive with the Argos. That said, I don't think it will be as productive because the Argos offensive line, Hodge, I think you would agree, is definitely nowhere near as good as Winnipeg. And I would take Zach Caleros over McLeod Bethel Thompson. So you're going to be running against some different looks and you won't have that offensive line that people around the league, and this is front office executives, scouts, people who watch the film, deem bar none the best O-line in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think Toronto has some good up-and-coming offensive linemen, but at the moment, I don't think it's close. I think Winnipeg is by far the better offensive line, and we should take a break quickly, Dunkster, but first, I just want to say, you know, a lot of fans in Winnipeg were in my Twitter mentions yesterday saying, you know, basically, you know, just expressing their sadness that, that Andrew Harris is not retiring as a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and and first of all, I would say, you know, Disney movies are generally fictional, uh, you know, the, the, the script doesn't always work that way in real life. Sometimes ugliness happens. Uh, but also, we will get that, right, at some point. Andrew Harris will sign a one-day contract. I don't know if it's next year or the year after, whatever. But at some point, he's going to sign that one-day contract to retire as member of the Blue Bombers. He's going to go on the Ring of Honor. He's going to go on the team's Hall of Fame. He's going to go into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And guess what? The first line in his bio is not going to be, oh, he, he played a random year at the Toronto Argonauts. No, the bio is going to be... First of all, greatest Canadian running back of all time led his hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers to two great cups. So, yes, for the moment, I get that it's rough. Fans are upset. That's valid. But also, let's take a step back and remember that, again, 5-10. It's not like people look back, right, and remember Charles Roberts as a BC Lion. That doesn't happen. We remember him as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. The same will be said for Andrew Harris when all is said and done. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about Kenny Lawler's mega deal with the Edmonton Elks. Dunkster, last week we talked about your report, which was that the BC Lions had put $250,000 on the table for star receiver Kenny Lawler. Since then, he has signed with the Edmonton Elks for 300 smackaroos, making him easily the highest paid non-quarterback in the CFL. What are your thoughts on his mega deal? $300,000 Canadian was the price that the Elks had to pay because there was no signing bonus in that contract. Excuse me. That's the reason the Elks had to go so high to beat the Lions offer of $250,000 because there was a substantial signing bonus included in what BC had tabled to Lawler. So that shows you how much Chris Jones wanted to get an impact receiver. I asked Jones directly if he had put that $300,000 bid on the table to Duke Williams. And he said, we're only here to talk about the players that we've signed. (laughs) So to me, and I knew it from the reporting that yes, indeed, they did have that same offer on the table to Williams. But when he went back to Saskatchewan and signed with the Rough Riders, where he got a signing bonus for $260,000, then they shifted that offer to Lawler because they really felt like they needed to get a dude. Now, this is not normal for Jones. We should say this. Usually, he likes to spend his money on defense. Like, famously, 
When Deron Carter had that all-star season, I believe it was in 2017, he came back the next year and only made in and around $150,000. So we're talking about Jones feeling like he wanted to get a somewhat proven, and it's only one year because there's been some talk about that online from fans and even people behind the scenes saying the Elks are really paying this guy $300,000 for one year of production. Like it would be different if you're paying Duke Williams because he's proven it multiple times and was able to come back from the NFL and be highly productive, right? It would be different if a guy like, to be quite honest, Brian Burnham was getting that contract who has multiple thousand yard seasons on his resume, but they clearly feel like Waller can be a big piece there. And overall, I like the deal because people are freaking out about, you know, the salary cap and how can these contracts be so high? Let's have the players get paid. Like let's push the salary cap up. Let's have this number go up so we can retain more of these athletes in Canada who maybe might not necessarily go and roll the dice in the NFL because that's kind of what happened with Waller here. we got to remember, he had a workout with the Atlanta Falcons in mid-January. A contract didn't end up coming to fruition, but that certainly helped his value north of the border. And Waller didn't hold out to see if anything else would come along because he knew he had to sign this $300,000 offer. Okay, let I mean, first of all, and I, I, I agree with you that yes, CFL players should be paid more. But if I was an owner, I'd be sitting there saying, "Okay, Justin Dunk, you going to cut the check? Are, are you going to write it? Because last I checked, it's me who's got to sign it. And also, a lot of teams aren't making money as it is. Then so, I would be saying more of your revenues need to go to the players because we know it's the only pro league in North America, maybe somewhere across the world as well." that doesn't have near 50% of their revenues go to the players. So that's what I'm getting. Fair enough, fair enough. But I got in some hot water with some veteran CFL receivers after I was on Winnipeg Sports Talk yesterday, and I called this deal borderline insanity, which I want to back up because, not again, I'm not saying that Kenny Lawler's not worth this, that, or the other thing. Kenny Lawler was the best receiver in the CFL in 2021. But as a team you have to look at each player as a percentage of the cap and if you're paying a receiver six percent of your salary cap the cap is projected to be you know rumored around five million dollars for 2022 if you're paying them three hundred thousand dollars that is putting you in a tough spot and let's remember there's a market here lucky whitehead set the market when he signed for two hundred thousand dollars after an mop caliber season in bc so you're now paying a guy 50 percent more like like this is a league where brian burnham who you highlighted makes a buck 65 so you're now saying we expect Kenny Lawler to do almost twice as much as Brian Burnham, who's probably going to the Hall of Fame. So to me, you can't look at this contract in a vacuum. You have to look at it in the proper context of what is the cap? What are other guys making? And when you compare it across the board, I'm sorry, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You need to look at it, I think, in the context of Edmonton salary cap as well, right? They're not paying big dollar contracts to a lot of guys. They did make hometown offensive lineman Mark Corte the highest paid offensive lineman American or Canadian in the league, $210,000 in 2021 and then 220 in 2023. But the rest of that roster, like for example, Taylor Cornelius is on a minimum contract. Nick Arbuckle got that $100,000, but he can still only make in and around $350,000 if he plays all the games and gets some of his incentives. So it's not like there's a bunch of big dollars going out to a number of the guys on that roster. So to me, 
you want to try to spend to the cap and you want to try to get a playmaker in there and have a turnaround season, then it makes sense to throw that kind of money at those players. And people will turn around and say, well, then how do you sign a guy like JT Barrett, who was an Ohio State star, won a national championship? He signed for minimal. There wasn't even a signing bonus in that deal. Jones has been famous for that, for getting these former NFL guys or college stars up here for the bare minimum or close to next to it. So in my mind, I get what you're saying in the sense of, yeah, paying a receiver 6% of your salary cap seems insane. But for the Elks, they need to spend that money anyways. And when Duke Williams was off the board, Lawler was by far the next best available target. I my counter argument to that would be well then why are you letting Derek Moncrief go out the door like like use that money to spread the love elsewhere but fair point we got to move on even if Moncrief was paid two hundred thousand dollars that might be borderline but I still think he would wanted to go back to Saskatchewan because his girls in Regina man his heart is there in (laughs) what is it the Queen City I think that's right (laughs) we'll call it right (laughs) we'll call it right we'll call it right Free agency often includes at least one signing that completely comes out of the blue. This year, Hodge, you think there were two. I think there were just one. But between Delvin Bro and Winton McManus, which signing is the better one, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. I know you were all over the, the Delvin Bro signing. But looking at the reaction on social media from our listeners, our readers, our followers, That certainly came out of nowhere for a lot of people. To me, the one that I like better is Wenton McManus in Toronto. That's no slight to Delvin Bro. I just have a little bit of a concern about him not playing in 2021 following a canceled 2020 season. Wenton McManus knows that team. I mean, what is it? 90% of Toronto's roster is just former Stampeders at this point, and their coaching staff is the same, right? We got Corey Mace former D-line coach who's now the D.C. in Toronto there. So I think he's going to be able to hit the ground running. I was in on the Zoom call with him today. He said just as much. I feel like I know this team. I know this organization already because there are so many familiar faces in and around this club. So I think Wynton McManus is a nice fit there, especially because let's not forget the Argos just lost Dexter McCoyle to retirement. He's moving on to coaching uh, for the rest of his career. So I think that addressing that spot, that weak side linebacker spot was very important for the Argos. And they got McManus seemingly out of nowhere following a stint in the NFL. All right. With all due respect to Mr. McManus, Delvin bro (laughs) is by far the bigger name. That's what I'm talking about here. And you laid it out. Corey Mace from Calgary. McManus played there. Like, we're calling them, what, the Toronto Stampeders or whatever the latest name is for them. So that, to me, is why it wasn't necessarily that surprising. And McManus wasn't signed to an NFL contract. So it wasn't like he got released and came out of nowhere. So to me, it's Delvin, bro. And yes, there are some concerns because he hasn't played for two years now. Of course, the canceled 2020 season. And then 2021, he decided to retire and stay at home, but there is no doubt that even if he comes close to the bro that we saw in 2019 with the Thai Cats and the one that we're used to seeing put on a uniform in the CFL, he can be one of those rare guys that is legitimately, and I don't want to throw the term around lightly, a lockdown corner in this league. And nobody, I mean nobody, saw him signing with the BC Lions and going all the way out to the West Coast until The news was first reported on Three Down Nation, of course. So to me, bro is the bigger one. The Lions really remaking that secondary. But to me, that was 
the surprise move of this free agency period. There were a lot of things, Hodge, that you and I had either an inkling or direct knowledge that was going to happen. And I would say for the most part, it played out that way, right? We even talked about the Andrew Harris situation earlier. You got the sense that a couple weeks ago when Walters had an availability that Harris probably wasn't going to be back there. So a lot of the moves, especially as the negotiation window went along, we felt like we're going to happen. I don't think there were any other surprises, at least to you or I, but again, we're getting that information behind the scenes. I think bro was the stunner of CFL free agency 2022. So just for the record, the question was not who's the bigger name. The question was, which signing do you like more? So let's get that straight. Oh, I like more too. I like bro more too then. Fair enough. And I I knew you would. That's partly why I picked McManus though. I will also say this, you know, you, you said bro wasn't a surprise to me. That was the surprise. It would not have been a surprise if Delvin bro came out of retirement to play for the tie cats. That's fine. I also don't think it would have been a big surprise if he came out of retirement to play for Sean Burke and the red blacks. The surprising part is where he ended up way out on the West coast. That was a surprise. Or even Toronto, to be quite honest. I should or put even this the Argos. In here. Why not? Jerry Garrett Davis went to the Argos. There were some people behind the scenes that told me that Darius Davis, excuse me, had said, I want a couple guys to come with me. I want Adrian Tracy to come back, and I want Delvin Bro in Toronto. And the Argos had had interest in Bro before when he came back from the NFL and signed with the Tiger Cats. So, yes, you're certainly right. Bro was the surprise of everything due in part to where he landed with BC and not a team in Ontario. Despite reportedly having interest in Trevor Harris, the BC Lions, we just talked about, signed former UBC Thunderbirds quarterback Michael O'Connor as their backup. The Leos will enter the season with two Canadian quarterbacks on the roster and appear committed to going all Canadian at the game's most important position. What are your thoughts on BC's unconventional approach? My heart is just so full of love (laughs) for the BC Lions. It might be turning orange. The other quarterback, of course, Nathan Rourke, who has been anointed the starter going into the 2022 season for the Lions. And I love it for a number of reasons. And obviously, Canadian quarterback bias aside, for those that don't know, I played five years at the University of Guelph. I'm pretty sure it's Guelph University, but I I could be wrong. The Griffins, one way or another, tried my (laughs) darndest to break down that door. But we've seen a number of guys through the years sort of inch it forward and get it to a point where the Lions now are willing to take this shot. But I think the key here is that Rick Campbell and Neil McAvoy, the co-general managers there, of course, Campbell's the head coach, have been up front in saying that this is about talent. It's great that they're Canadian, and it's certainly, in my mind, going to help from a marketing perspective because of the ties that those two have to the lower mainland there. Rourke was born and raised for his early years in Victoria, and O'Connor played for the University of British Columbia Thunderbirds and won a Vanier Cup for them in 2015, his first year playing in U Sports, which was unbelievable. So from marketing aspect, it's great, but the Lions are doing this because they feel like those are the two best quarterbacks that they can put into this situation. There's just other factors, namely Rourke's, what would you call it, team-friendly contract. Yep. And the fact that they can count towards the ratio now, that being quarterback as a starting position. So 
if Rourke happens to get hurt or needs to come out of the game, you can put O'Connor in there and you don't have to switch anything up from a ratio perspective. If you're at the bare minimum seven, I think we've seen more and more teams now start above that number, but still to me, it's something that could potentially be a precedent center that if either one of those guys play well or one of them plays really well, then I think we will start to see the perception change around the league that I've been banging the table for for a number of years. Look at, I'll put my bias hat on right now. I grew up playing <laughs> three downs for nearly my entire life on a wider Canadian field with receivers running at the line with 12 guys aside that free safety in the middle of the field most of the time. And it helps to play that game and makes for a more seamless transition. We have seen a number of NFL stars, NCAA college stars come up here and struggle with the game. None more so than Johnny Menzel, who's probably the latest big name to flame out. Like him or love him in the league. And I love me some Johnny football when he was at Texas A&M. Vince Young couldn't even get into a game before he was cut. Now, some of that might have had to do with his physical shape, but you go on down the list here, and I hope this opens us up because in my mind, there's a guy out there right now, Adam Sinagra, who led the University of Calgary to a Vanier Cup in 2019 that should be on a roster right now. There's personnel men across the league, American and Canadian, that believe Sinagra is better than Americans currently on rosters across the league. But the reason that he's not signed is simply because he's Canadian. So let's remove that bias. Everybody take it out of there and have the best guy compete for those roster spots. Yeah, I knew that was going to go on for a while. My mistake for asking Justin Dunk about Canadian <laughs> quarterbacks. I'll say this. I love it. I love it that BC is not afraid to think outside of the box. Is there a risk of this? Yes, because Trevor Harris was sitting right there, and we know that he has a relationship with Rick Campbell from their time together in Ottawa. So there is certainly a risk going in this direction for the BC Lions, but I love it. I think it's spectacular. I think it's interesting, and and we've seen guys all over the place in BC raving about Nathan Rourke and what he was able to do as a rookie in 2021, Brian Burnham said straight up, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think Nathan Rourke was going to be a star. He worked unbelievably hard all season behind Michael Riley. And, you know, it's a cliche to say that he, you know, prepared like the starter, right? We say that all the time, but Brian Burnham was insistent. No, this is legit. This is real. Like Nathan Rourke did prepare every single week like he was going to start the game. And then lo and behold, he ended up starting the first game of the season by <laughs> surprise in Ryderville. So I think this is a great move. I'm really excited by it. I hope that it works because, as you said, Dunkster, this is kind of like the canary in the coal mine that this is happening. And if it doesn't go well, we'll never see it again. If it or or if it'll take thirty years for someone to do it again. If it goes well, maybe it's the start of a trend in the Canadian Football League. And in my mind, it's not necessarily fair that if it doesn't go well, that it doesn't happen again. But I think it should be said to add some context to Burnham's comments that. You can tell when guys are being genuine because we've been on so many of these availabilities, Hodge, and we've talked to players across the league for a number of years that Burnham is genuine, okay? He's just not saying those things because he knows he's being recorded and it's going to go out into the public. You can tell he could have chose to say not very much, gave a generic answer, hey, how's it going, keep it moving kind of thing. But he really does believe in Rourke. And we got to remember, you go back and you reference this. In week one, 
against Saskatchewan in that packed house, the first game after football had not been played for over right. a year in this country, in the CFL, Rourke got beat up a little bit. He threw that early interception. But what told me that he had a future in this league beyond knowing how he approaches the game was that touchdown strike that he came back and threw to Lucky Whitehead down the sideline. And it showed you that he had the resolve. He could take a hit, get back up, and it wouldn't bother him. He's a guy that, and I hate it, it's a cliche, but doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, doesn't freak out at all. And that one play, the ability to bounce back from an early interception, really showed me he has that ability. And I think that's why Burnham's comments ring true and Lucky Whitehead was complimentary as well. He wouldn't be going back there. He could have gone to the open market and got his $200,000 elsewhere if he wanted to, but he feels like Rourke is a guy that can help take the Lions to the promised land. Now, it has to happen on the field, and the proof will be in the play of Rourke and O'Connor if he gets on the field as well, but it is refreshing to see something new tried, and I hate to say it, but in this league that seems to kind of just go with the status quo. So I like it. A number of Canadian players use free agency as an opportunity to go back home. Kicker Sean White to BC, offensive lineman Mark Court, signing with Edmonton, receiver Hergie Malai, and can deal with Montreal. Which one of those hometown reunions are your favorite? Well, I, I like them all. And by the way, I think it's Mark Cordy. I could be wrong, but we've said Corte. You just said Court. So let's say Cordy. And at, le- at least that way, one of the three ways is correct. <laughs> Um, and, and I'll say this, I think, you know, I, I'm tempted to say Herji Mala- or, uh, Mayala because I think he's got such a high ceiling still. I'm tempted to say Mark Cordy because, you know, I always give my love to the hoggies on the O-line, but I'm going to go to Sean White. Cause I look back at the BC lions kicking stats <laughs> from 2021. They had Yamasaki, the Japanese kicker to start the year with four of eight. They brought in Jimmy Camacho started hot from UCLA and and then fell off a cliff. And then Nick Fogle missed three converts in as many games to end the year. Their kicking cost them wins in 2021. Bringing in Sean White, and, and let's not forget as well, Hamilton's kicking was a nightmare in 2021, and Winnipeg's was even worse. So we have a league-wide kicker shortage right now. If you can go in and grab a Canadian who's been doing it for 12 years at a high level, I get the kicker is not the sexiest position, but to me, between those three, that's the one that I feel the best about moving forward for 2022. That's an interesting group there. I think probably White could be the most impactful, but I am curious to see Mayala in Montreal, whether it's Vernon Adams Jr. or Trevor Harris throwing him the football, because he had that year in 2019 where it looked like the next one was going to be a breakout year. And if you remember, Bo Levi Mitchell was really talking him up. He felt like he could be the next star Canadian receiver in the league after that year in 2019. I don't think it should go under the radar either what – Cordy, we'll get on the same page here, could mean for that Edmonton Elks offensive line, especially with the retirement of Matt O'Donnell. Like, yeah, he's coming home. It's a great storyline. But what he actually means for that group up front, I think, goes even further than the fairy tale story of him playing for his hometown CFL team. So I think they can all have different impacts. But I would tend to agree with you that White could be the most impactful because That could have been the difference between potentially the Lions being in the playoff mix or potentially making the postseason, but they ultimately didn't because of those points that they did not have or missed out on the kicking game. Yeah, Sergio Castillo, by far and away the best free agent kicker right now. 
is is currently pursuing NFL opportunities is what my sources have told me. So it's not uh, it, it's not a situation where you can just ink him, which means, hey, if you get a veteran like Sean White, you sign him. They're all good signings, but I, I like White the best. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Welcome back to the Three Down Nation podcast. It's now time for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 2021, Solomon Elamimian announced his retirement from the CFL at the age of 34. The 10-year veteran recorded 869 career total tackles, 33 sacks, nine forced fumbles, and eight interceptions en route to becoming a six-time West Division All-Star as a member of the BC Lions and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The 2011 Grey Cup champion was twice named the CFL's most outstanding defensive player and in 2014 became the only purely defensive player in league history to be named M.O.P. Dunkster, can you believe it's already been a year since Solly filed those retirement papers? No, I can't, man. I still feel like he had more in the tank. That season that he had looked like he was going to turn the clock back a little bit, but moves on to other things of course the president of the players union right now and is doing some other stuff off the field in his post football life but what a player and a certified canadian football hall of famer elamimian i think definitely had more in the tank and speaking of the tank make sure to get your liquids fluids everything you need topped up in your vehicle at jiffy lube tell them your friends at three down nation sent you there Jiffy Lube, the best place to go for all of your vehicular needs this winter. Yes, sir. You know it. Keep the car running nice and smooth. And we saw a bunch of these CFL teams make significant investments in players so they can compete to the best of their ability for the Grey Cup. Well, I think you should make a decent size investment because Jiffy Lube gives you a solid deal in your car, which gets you everywhere you want to go safely. So make sure you take it in Jiffy Lube, get in and out in a Jiffy, keep your car running nice and smooth. It's now time for the three minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. Riders punter, well, former Riders punter John Ryan, accused CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi of trying to destroy Canadian content with his global initiative. Is that a fair criticism? It is, and I understand where Ryan is coming from because he's in that spot. But, Todd, you and JC Abbott and I, and I forget who was breaking down the numbers, were talking about the increase in, let's call them globals for the CFL's sake, in the NCAA and even U-Sport. Like, for example, the University of Virginia kicker and punter is Aldo Galvin, who's from Mexico. So the sheer numbers now show that, yeah, maybe these guys will get more opportunities. But I get where Ryan is coming from because of what he's saying is there's not going to be those younger kids out there that see a John Ryan punting the football and then want to be him you know, 10 or 15 years down the line. The Stampeders, as first reported on Three Down Nation, traded safety Royce Mechie to Toronto for linebacker Cameron Judge. Which of those two would you rather have? I'm tempted to say Cameron Judge, even though, let's be honest, he had a down year in 2021. Though Royce Mechie, I think, is criminally underrated at the safety spot. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders released defensive end Jonathan Woodard, who signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Is that a surprise? 
It was in the sense that it happened a little later in the NFL window than you would have thought. That window is now closed. February 8th, the same day as CFL free agency opened. The NFL opportunities for guys under contract in the CFL for the 2022 season closed. So to me, it was a little bit. But when you look at it, he has NFL experience. He's played in NFL games before. He was second in the CFL in sacks with 10, I believe it was for the Riders, so it makes sense. And honestly, the Chiefs defense needs help. And it's not <laughs> like they're a team that reaches up into Canada a whole lot. And I was talking to Adam Tyker, who's the beat reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs for ESPN's NFL Nation Network, and he was saying that Woodard could be a guy to keep an eye on for that reason. Brett Beach, the GM of the Chiefs, doesn't often come north, but if he sees a guy he likes, then I think that there is a decent opportunity there for Woodard in Kansas City. John Gott, the beer-drinking man himself, signed a one-day contract <laughs> with the Red Lacks to officially retire as a member of the team. I don't understand how they didn't send this thing out and they put all these videos together for Jalen Acklin <laughs> and William Powell signing on the dotted line, but they just put like a graphic and a picture for Gott. It should have been a hype reel of him chugging that beer in the stands because that's what he's going to be remembered for for ages. So how would you celebrate the retirement? Oh, well, I would have retired by doing a fresh... I, I think they should have flown John Gott in and had him chug a beer at Red Black's headquarters. I think that would have been amazing. Or at the very least, let's get, let's get a video of Sean Burke ripping a beer. I think that would have been great. <laughs> Canadian Kevin Abrams was appointed the senior vice president of football operations with the New York Giants. Is that a big deal? It is for one main reason in my mind. Abrams has been with that franchise, I believe now it's either 20 or over 20 years. The dude is a salt of the earth guy, and I hate saying it sometimes, but a graduate of formerly the University of Western Ontario, which is now Western Ontario. So he's a Mustang at heart, but he's been through a number of different regimes there. So the fact that he's been able to keep himself there to me shows that he's a good old Canadian, polite dude, and knows how to treat people right. New Edmonton Elks defensive back Ed Ganey said he was thinking about at least burning or giving away his rider's gear after five years with the team. What would you do if you were in Ganey's shoes? Oh, you got you got to give it away. There's like a million little kids in Rider Nation who want that that team issued gear, that 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 player gear. You got to give it away. Don't burn that stuff. Calgary Stampeders president and GM John Huffnagel told the media that he'd spent all of his money ahead of free agency, saying all he could afford was McDonald's. I guess he was telling the truth too, considering Calgary didn't sign anyone on Tuesday. Dunkster, what would you buy at McDonald's? Yo, but hold up. They signed Sean Lemon. So, again... Well, re-signed. We have... Yes, but still, we got a, one of these GMs maybe lying to us a little bit. You know, I get what he was saying. that He didn't have much money under the salary cap, and he was joking about potentially getting a loan. But if he got a loan, he would have gone over the cap, and that means the Stamps would have spent even more money to pay the luxury cap. Just saying. But I like the cheekiness, let's call it, from Mr. Hotnagel. Retired seven times, CFL All-Star Center Brian Chu is the new head coach at Vancouver College, his alma mater. Is that a big deal or a massive deal or how would you categorize it? 
I think it's a massive deal. Congratulations to Mr. Chu. Vancouver College has turned out maybe more great CFL players than any high school in this country. Most notable alumni, Cal Murphy, legendary head coach, general manager. Gotta love it. On that note, we thank you as always for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. He's Justin Dunk. I'm John Hodge. We'll see you next Wednesday for another episode. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.